Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. I'd like to do a series of three talks on the three parts of a human being. You know, the Bible talks about us as having three parts, a body, a soul, and a spirit. But my suspicion is that many of us are confused or it's irrelevant to us that God says we have three parts. Why is it important? You know, there are several things that have three parts. And if we get the three parts confused, it'll make a big impact on our lives. The first very important one is toffee sweets. You know, there's an outer wrapper, which you have to unwrap to get to the toffee sweet. And then in the middle of the toffee sweet, there is the chocolate center. Imagine you confuse those three parts of a toffee sweet, how it would mess up your life. That's just a silly illustration, but think of some other things. For instance, a piece of music. Experts say there are three parts to music. There is the rhythm of the music. There is the melody, which is the main tune. And then there are the harmonies, all the beautiful backing harmonies. If you don't have any one of those three, the music is not complete. Friend, you are a three part being, and it is so important that we understand the three parts, how they interrelate, how they have changed since God first made us to how we are now, and how God wants us to act now that we believe in him. So let me start with 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify means make you holy completely. And may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God is concerned about all three parts. Let me start by saying that there are other terms in the Bible that refer to these three parts, but sometimes it just takes two of them. Sometimes it divides us into two part beings. The three parts exist. They are real but there are different ways of referring to us and these different three parts. So for instance, the word heart in the Bible. Have you ever read the many verses in the Bible that refer to your heart? And you've wondered, what is my heart? Is it that beating muscle in my chest or is it something else? The most important verse, which we must understand, and especially we must know what heart means, is Romans 10 and verse 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that one believes unto righteousness. And it is with the mouth that confession is made unto salvation. Can you see, if you don't understand what your heart is, is heart emotions, because that's what our current culture thinks heart is. Or does it mean think? You know, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Is it about logic? Or is it about deciding? The Bible talks about he purposed in his heart to do certain things. What does heart mean? Is heart a physical and emotional, or is it spirit? What What is heart? And if you look through all the verses in the Bible, you see that heart simply means 
the inward man, the, the whole of my soul and spirit together, my mind, my will, my emotions, and my spirit, my deciding, my feeling, all of that, and I put it all together and I believe with a decision, with understanding in my mind, with emotion, with spiritual input, all of those parts are heart. What about these distinctions? The Bible talks about an old man and a new man, an outward man and an inward man, a natural man and a spiritual man. Have you ever known, seen those verses? Let me just uh, talk through those very, very briefly. Old man versus new man. And how do those apply to the body, soul and spirit? So Ephesians 4 verse 22 says, Put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's an old man which we need to put off because it's being corrupted by lusts. We need to change our minds and we need to put on the new man, which is perfect and pure, just like God. So how does that all relate? We're going to see over the next couple of weeks that that talks about putting off the flesh. And I'm going to explain what flesh is in a moment. Having our mind or the center of us changed and then putting on the spirit, which is the new man created exactly like Jesus. But all of these interplay. And rather than being a confusion, having all these different ways of describing the parts of us, they actually bring great enlightenment. They help us to understand. So the first one is the old man and the new man. Let me just quickly tell you what the Bible means when it talks about flesh, because we know we've got body, soul, and spirit, but then there's this word flesh. Often the word flesh um, means something sinful, and, and it talks about the flesh or fleshly desires. And that's talking about our bodies, but part of our souls, which have become trained to sin. They, they have become ingrained in sin, and it's called the flesh or the old man or the old nature. And then the spirit is, when we're a believer, it's the brand new part of us. So we've got the old man and the new man. Put off the old man, put off the flesh, put on the new man. But how? By the renewing of our minds. What about the outward man versus the inward man and the natural man versus the spiritual man? These are very, very interesting concepts. And I'm going to just talk about these today and then we'll see where we go from there. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm, I'm wanting you, as I read these verses, I'm going to read about five or six verses. I'm wanting you to think body, soul, spirit, but also outward man, inward man, natural man, spiritual man, and carnal man. But just before I get there, let me just read to you this little passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, talking about the outward and the inward. Uh, we've already spoken about the heart being the inward man. When Samuel was picking David as king, God says, don't look at the outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So there's the outward man, our body, our flesh. There's the inward man, which is our spirit and our soul, our heart. And um, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. 
Paul was talking about all the struggles and, and pressures that were upon him. And he says, we have a treasure in a jar of clay. The treasure is the spirit of God inside us. The jar of clay is the body that we have. And he says, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. He was saying, outward pressures may cause my body to decay or become less strong. If I get beaten because I'm a Christian, it affects my outward body. He says, my outward body is perishing. The stresses and struggles of life are starting to cause me to, to age or to, or to suffer on the outside. But he says, but my inward man is being made stronger, being renewed day by day. It's not getting weaker, it's getting stronger. Outward man is body, inward man is spirit and our soul that is linking to our spirit. He goes on to say, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So I'm trying to explain to us body, soul, spirit, but sometimes the Bible divides them into different categories. And in this category, he says outward man and inward man. Outward man is clearly our physical body and our emotions that are linked to our physical body. You know, when you undergo persecution and stress, your emotions, even your mind can be affected by that. But he says there's an outward man that is taking a little bit of, of stress and, and, and being affected badly, but our inward man is being renewed and made stronger. That's your spirit and the part of your soul that is linked to your spirit. And then he says, the key, he says, we do not look at what is temporary or with our physical eyes, what can be seen, which is the outward things. You see, your outward man is not just your physical body, but it's your five senses. It's the way that you gauge what is true. And if you use your outward man to gauge what is true, if you look with your physical eyes and your physical logic and your physical five senses, and you say, is it true? And you judge just by what you can see, you will be weighed down and it will be a, a negative, terrible experience. But he says, we look at what is unseen. That is the spirit. You know, you can't see your spirit with your physical eyes, but it is real. And he says, I choose with my mind to focus on what is unseen because what is seen is temporary. This affliction, this problem that I'm going through is temporary, but what is unseen, my spirit and heaven and eternity will last forever. And it's more real. It's more important. It is the main thing. He says, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay, so we've looked at heart, old man, new man, outward man, inward man. Now let me look at natural man versus spiritual man. There is also a, a carnal man and a mere man included in this passage. And these are little terms that help us to understand the outward and the inward but I want you to see how helpful it is when we use all these different terms for the three parts of our being to understand how we as Christians can live and thrive in this world. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, he says, The natural man 
does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He says there's a natural man and there's a spiritual man. He divides humanity into two categories. And the natural man is the human being who does not have the Holy Spirit. They, he says they cannot understand spiritual things. Uh, they are foolishness to him, for he, for, nor can he know them. They are spiritually discerned. He says that without the Holy Spirit's help, we cannot understand spiritual things. So there is a natural man, which is my body and my soul before the Holy Spirit comes in and makes me a brand new person. Natural man, but the spiritual man understands all things and is judged by nobody, uh, judges all things and has the mind of Christ. So the, the middle part of me, the soul, which is my mind, my will and my emotions. If I'm a spiritual man, my mind is being affected by that spirit and I have the mind of Christ within me. I can know all things and I can do all things, other verses say. So he's, he's contrasted a natural man and a spiritual man. Another way of saying that would be a fleshly person without the spirit or a person with the spirit. But now he's going to go on and explain a little bit more to this. And he says in verse one of the next chapter, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. What he says here is, I'm speaking to you, brethren. He's speaking to Christians. He's calling them babies in Christ. But he says, even though I've said there's a natural man and a spiritual man, I can't really call you spiritual men. I'm going to call you carnal men. And this is interesting because that word carnal means fleshly, but he's saying it's not the natural man. It's not the man who has none of the spirit. It's a Christian who has the spirit, but he's, he's relying on the flesh. He's looking to the flesh for what is true, for his joy, for his strength, for his peace, uh, for his understanding. He is relying for his energy source on the flesh, on the body and the sinful part of us. Uh, instead of on the spirit, which is the new man, the, the powerful part of us. Let me just read that again. And I, brethren, so he's speaking to Christian, could not speak to you as spiritual people. He says, you have the spirit because you're Christians. Romans 8 says, if anyone doesn't have the spirit, they're not a Christian. So you are Christians, he says. But I can't call you spiritual people. You have the spirit, but you're not using the spirit. You have the Spirit as part of your three parts, but it's not influencing you the way that it should. I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal. And he makes a new word here, carnal Christian. In other words, a Christian who has the Spirit, but is not using it, is relying on the flesh just like a natural man would. And so we see people who have given their lives to the Lord, but they haven't accessed or allowed God's power to change them completely. And they're living and thinking and speaking and feeling just like a non-Christian. He goes on to say, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. He says, I gave you 
the basic Christian teaching because you weren't you weren't listening spiritually to things. You were still thinking like a human being. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? I love that. He says mere men. In other words, there are spiritual men and there are natural men. And those who are spiritual have this power within them. They can understand all things. They can do all things. They have the mind of Christ. They can be taught by God. Natural men cannot understand the things of the Spirit. And he calls those natural men mere men. He says you are behaving like mere men because you have envy and strife and all these different divisions. Basically, he says you're acting like the world. You're acting like children and you're not allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to come inside you. And I'm just going to read you one last passage about this carnal man. So in Romans chapter 8, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So when we're in Christ and we're not being carnal Christians, we live in this place of no condemnation. Now, does, is that because we're not sinning every now and again? No. 1 John 1 verses 8 and 10 make it clear we will sin. All of us will stumble and fall and sin even after we're Christians. It's not there's no condemnation because of our behavior. It's because we're setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. We're not carnal Christians. We're spiritual Christians. He goes on in verse 6 to say, uh, sorry, verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. He's telling us how to do this. And it's my mind. Again, we've read that in several of the other verses. I set my mind on the things of the Spirit. You say to me, Greg, how do I do that? Well, in the morning, I look in the physical mirror and I say, that's me. But then I look in the spiritual mirror of God's Word. And I say, Lord, what is my spirit like? And He tells me it is created just like God in true righteousness and holiness. That God is in me. He is with me. I have the mind of Christ. I am a new creation. There's no condemnation. So, he says, we, they have set their minds on the things of the Spirit. I choose to not use my five senses to gauge what is true, but to use God's Word and what is spiritually true as what is true. I set my mind on the things of the Spirit. You say, but I have to do a job. I have to live in this normal world. I have to interact with people. How can I be thinking about the things of the Spirit all the time? Friends, it's an attitude and a mindset which says, who am I? I am clean and righteous. I'm God's child. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. And he is with me. And all the time I'm giving him worship and I'm listening to his still small voice while I'm washing the dishes, filling the car with fuel, uh, doing my job. All the time, the spirit, my mind is focused on the spirit for what is true and for my peace and strength and energy rather than on the flesh where I say, what do my five senses say is true? And what does my body say is going to bring it joy and peace and happiness? Because if I listen to my flesh, it will lead me away from God. So he goes on to say, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Does that mean the minute I set my mind on the flesh, I've died 
No, it doesn't mean that. It means if I stay on that road of listening to the flesh, of setting my mind on the flesh, death is the end result of that road. But if I listen to the Spirit and allow the Spirit to dominate my life, life and peace. He says, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, if I'm a Christian, but I'm relying on my strength, my own human flesh and willpower, or what my five senses tell me to see if I'm a good Christian, I cannot please God. I cannot obey his law. I'm led astray by many false things. And uh, we cannot please God. But verse 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Let me just focus on that verse for a second. He says, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Based on what? Based on the fact that the Spirit of God dwells in you. You see, the Spirit of God is so powerful. It's so much more powerful than our flesh. Earlier on, in chapter 7 of Romans, he says there's a law of sin and death in my members that makes me want to sin. In my flesh, in my body, there's this law, this strength, this power that pulls me away to sin. But then in Romans 8, he says, law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There's this law of the spirit of life more powerful in me. And in verse 9, he says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God dwells in you. You have this powerful spirit is working in you. Philippians 2 says God is working, energized inside you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. God is working in you by his spirit and the spirit is in you. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Um, And he says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Just to be a Christian means the Holy Spirit is in you. You You are pushed by God toward the spirit. The power of God's Spirit is in you and moving you towards thinking and acting the way He wants you to. It is the most powerful force, but your mind must still choose. The mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. I'll give you an example. You're driving down the road. You sin. You swear. You break the law. You you do something you shouldn't have done. You have a bad thought. And immediately... uh, accusation comes from the devil. He says, you're bad. You're a bad Christian. You're not even a Christian. And what we do is we say, no, my mind is set on the spirit. There is no condemnation. Jesus has forgiven me. Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that I am seated with you in heavenly places. I am the righteousness of God. And as we focus on the spirit, we start to think, Lord, what is it you're saying? What is it you're doing? What is it you're wanting me to do? And the power of God floods into me. The opposite would be I I focus on the flesh. I start thinking, I'm bad. I've blown it. I'm a terrible person. God doesn't love me. And then we start going down a road of more sin and more sin. And we start listening to the flesh. And whatever the world around us seems to look like or seems to say is true, we say that is true. And we allow our flesh to lead us into sin. Friends, who are you? Where is your mindset? You have three parts. A body a soul and a spirit. Your body has been trained to sin and it has become something called the flesh, which has sin in it. And part of your soul has been trained that way as well. But if you're a Christian, you have the spirit of God in you, the spirit of life 
and joy and peace, the mind of Christ. You can understand spiritual things. And in the middle is your mind. And you can choose to say, Lord, I'm focusing on what is true, what is eternal, what is unseen, or you can focus on what is seen. But the result is massively different. The one is life and peace. The other leads to death. Pray with me today. Say, Lord, I thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross so that I could be forgiven and that I could have your spirit within me. Lord, I ask you now to forgive my sins. I ask you to come in and fill me with your spirit. I ask you to help me, Lord, to set my mind on spiritual things, to be a spiritual man, not a carnal man. And Lord, I thank you that even if I've blown it, I can come back immediately and receive your complete forgiveness and be completely renewed again today. Please forgive me again. Please seat me back where I need to be. And Lord, I choose to focus on you. And if I fall and when I fall, I will run back to you rather than away from you. And I ask you now to, Lord, renew my mind and help me to put on this new man in Jesus' name. Friends, we love you. We have a website called leadinglightsnetwork.com. It has amazing resources that will help you grow in Christ. But also we want to pray for you, pray with you. And we want to help you and give you advice and any help we can give you. So let us know what you're doing in your walk for Christ. You say, me, little old me? Yes, this is not just for reverends and ordained people. This is for everyday Christians. We want to help you do anything you can do in your community for Christ. We want to walk with you, give you the support and prayer and resources you need. Let us know. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.